will surely what? Die. And because he ate that fruit and they didn't see death then, they might have thought it's not coming. But death what? Came. And death actually came before then because they became separated from God, which will be a spiritual what? Death. And we see this in the book of John when Jesus, John is talking to, uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and I believe it's John 3, he starts talking about you must be born what? Again, you may be alive, but your spirit is dead. So we see Adam has finally died, which means that a lot of times we get away with sin, and we think because we've gotten away with it, we'll continue to get away with it. But the truth of the matter is, if we continue to ignore God, at some point in time, we have to pay the what? Piper. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. So it's important for us to know that it's coming if we don't, even if we don't know it's coming. So let's read verse 6. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. That's 5 and 6. I'm going to keep reading. After he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years, had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived a total of 912 years, and then he what? Died. Now I want you to see something. I'm going to skip over these. Let's go to verse 11. I'll read it. You can catch up if they catch up. Altogether, Enos lived a total of 905 years, and he what? Died. Now, let's go over to verse 14. Altogether, Kenan lived a total of 910 years, and then he what? Died. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 17. Altogether, Mahalel lived 895 years, and he what? Died. Okay, let's see. Does it get any better? We talk about Enoch, and uh, I'll start at verse 18 first. When Jared lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. Verse 19, after he, beca- after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years, had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived a total of 962 years, and he what? Died. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Do you see a theme coming in this scripture? Do you see what the author is trying to get you to see? That the earth is not getting better. The earth is getting what? Worse. That creation without obedience to God doesn't get better. It doesn't evolve. It what? Devolves. It goes down. Uh, So we look and we see something really cool right here. This is the first man who does not see death. Verse 22. Uh, Well, we'll get to uh, verse 21. Let's read that. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God for 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Now, stop right there. It's hard to, for us, some of us, to walk, walk faithfully with God for 300 minutes. It's very hard for some of us to show up for two church, two church services in a row, for two weeks in a row. If you do that, you get the gold star. I'm just talking about America at large. <laughs> we need a star. But here's the deal. This man walked faithfully with God for 300 years. Wow. That's a long time to walk with God. He was 65 when he had his son. And after he had his son, he walked faithfully with God for 300 years. And altogether, Enoch, verse 23 says, lived a total of 365 years. But I want you to see something that reverses something. Everybody else who's living in the flesh, we see, and they what? Died. But when we see Enoch, Enoch walked with God. And let's see what happens to Enoch. Verse 23, let's read. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. 
He was so close to God that God wouldn't even let him see death. He took him. God took him. Yeah. Yeah. The, the original King James said, and Enoch walked with God, and Enoch was not. <laughs> In other words, he never died. He got so close to God, God said, I'm going to come on and bring you home. Even in a, and here's the thing, in a world that is very wicked, think about how wicked the world is. We just witnessed the first murder, the taking of innocent life. Um, the, as one preacher would say, the first option exercised the pro-choice. He chose to take his, his brother's life. He chose death over life. We've seen murder. We've seen Lamech. Uh, come up and he's killed somebody and boasted about it and then he became a polygamist he had more than one wife that tells you he crazy and right there <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day that's the thing that Lamech is kind of crazy but at the end of the day we see the culture going down but in the midst of the bad culture you see there are still some faithful people who still love what God I want you to be encouraged and I want anybody listening to this to be encouraged, any pastor that may be listening, because some of my pastor friends listen, uh, anybody who may be listening that feels like just because we're, we're seeing people leave the church that, that you'll be discouraged. No, if God says where there are two or three in touch and agree in my name, I will be what? In the midst. So don't give up. Don't lose heart. You keep continuing to do what God has called you to do because you are responsible for your relationship with God. And no matter what the world does, you're called to do what God has called you to do. Now, there's some notes in here, and I want you to take these notes home. And what I want you to start doing is I want you to start studying these because it's got some really interesting things in them that I want you to bring. So Enoch was translated. Now we see Methuselah, who we know is the longest living person ever recorded. Um, so when Methuselah, verse 25, had lived 187 years, he became the father of who? Lamech. Now we're getting close to somebody we know because a lot of us don't know a lot of these names. Who are these people? But we'll see Methuselah's line and who's coming right after Lamech. After he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Verse 27. Altogether, Methuselah lived a total of 969 years, but and then he died. Then we right back to it. <laughs> right back to it. Death is coming. Verse 28, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him who? Noah. We know Noah. We know who Noah is. So Noah is very early on in creation, we see. And he says, he named him Noah and said what? He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. I'm going to put it this way. Noah is going to, they're saying he will reverse the curse. He is going to change the trajectory of where we're headed. They don't know how true that is, but it's not going to be the way they want it. <laughs> because we're about to hit, God's about to make a covenant with Noah. And does anybody know what a covenant is? A promise. We call, today we could call them contracts or agreements. They're binding agreements that somebody is going to perform a promise, and we see God's about to make a covenant for, with Noah pretty soon. And this is what we see for verse 30. It says, after Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years. We see where this is going. Had, had other sons and daughters. All together, Lamech lived 777 years. And he what? 
died. Now, it says this, after Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I want you to pay attention to those names. Everybody say Shem, Ham, and Japheth. From those three people eventually will come all the ethnicities that we uh, that we see today. Uh, as a matter of fact, we call them races, but there's only one race, and that's the human race. We all come from two people, so we're basically all the same. We have a little bit of different pigmentation and maybe a different, few different features or things, but we all come from the same people. None of us are superior to the other or anything like that. God has created all of us the same. But from Shem, you hear the word Semite. From Shem comes the line that Jesus comes through, which is the Jews. That's where that line is going to follow down through. Through Ham, those are people who are Hamitic or of dark descent from Canaan and Cush. Well, we've talked about the land of Cush. Those are the Africans. Those are, are people of darker hue. Those, those are where those people of African descent are generally going to originate from. And from Japheth, it's going to become the Grecian and the European type, um, the European um, culture. So all these cultures are represented in Noah's three sons. How would this happen? How did how do two people um, create those many things? Well, if you understood biology and you knew what a dihybrid cross was, and I'm not going to go into biology because your eyes may start glassing over, but have you ever noticed that sometimes kids will grow up and they've never seen a great-grandparent, but they've come out looking just like the great-grandparent? You, ha you have deoxyribonucleic acid. We call it DNA. There are different strands of DNA and maps that tell you if you're going to have long hair, if you're going to be short. I got the short end of the stick on that one. If you're going to be tall, <laughs> whatever the case may be. And those things mix up. Every time you mix people, those things tend to what? They mix. And after a while, you have different varieties of people. And if you have a few people, like my children tend to look like me. If I sit in a house for 900 years and continue to have children, I'm going to have a whole culture of people that look just like what? Me. And over a while, variety comes. So we'll see that. So we see 900 years, 500 years, and Noah has three boys. So let's go to Genesis chapter 6, and we'll see something. This is what, what I want you to see tonight. Let's read Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. It says, when human beings, read it with me, began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married them, any of them they chose. Now, this is a very controversial scripture because it speaks of what we call the Nephilim. And there are people who believe that the Nephilim were giants. That's what the Bible says. That's what I believe. But the origin of the Nephilim, some of them believe that they are fought fallen angels where the Bible says that some had left their royal estate and according to tradition that they fell in love with human people and created uh, and created actually giants, people like Goliath and those people that we do. And you'll notice this when you go over even into the New Testament because Paul says a woman shouldn't have her head should have her head covered and he said it was for what? For the angels. <laughs> so this, this isn't a tradition that's new to us. This is something that, that's been seen so this is the commonly held belief. Some people will look at that, uh, that translation of the word Nephilim and look at it as a tyrant or a scorner. But from the context of the Bible, we see, I believe it's the Barai Elohim or something like that, that, uh, that the sons of God, it, denoting that some would even say that these are the sons of Seth that got with the daughters of Cain. But from what we're clearly reading here, we can see that the sons of God saw that the daughters of who? 
humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. And then the Lord decides to do something. Let's what, see what verse three says. They become this wicked. This wicked. This is how wicked the world has got. Anytime you start to say, you know what? Our world is going to Hades in a hurry. Well, look at how wicked this world is. God said this. He says what? Then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. Some people interpret this to be that the lifespan is cut to 120 years. Some people interpret this to be that in 120 years, you'll see what, what's about to happen in the flood. Either way it is, the, the, what we need to get from this is men are bad. We're born what? Bad. We're not born cute. We're born sinful. And, and, and left to our own devices without Jesus, we don't get better and better. We get what? Worse and worse. <laughs> so, I, and uh, that's that's something to think about. Uh, I was watching a, a preacher say something. I was talking with a friend the other day, and they brought up the fact of a bottle of water. And my, my grandma used to say it this way. Grandma used to say, what's in you going to come out you? And I know that's bad English and bad grandma, but that's how she used to say it, and that's how I remember. What's in you going to come out you. Like these pages of this Bible, I use it so much, it's coming out of there. So if, if I had a cup of water and you bumped me and you agitated me, what's going to come out of the cup? Water. So what, if something's in your heart, when you get agitated, although you say I didn't mean it, only what's in you can what? Come out of you. Jesus says it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of him. So when you get mad and you cuss at somebody and you say I didn't mean it, well, guess what? That was in your heart. It came from somewhere. When you say something negative or you got an evil thought about somebody and wish you could do something wrong to somebody and, and you say, if I didn't get caught, I'd make you disappear. Things like that. That was in your heart. That's what's in your heart. The Bible says that the heart is wickedly deceitful. So we can't trust our what? Hearts. Our hearts will lead us what? Wrong. You don't follow your heart. Your heart will get you in what? Trouble. We tell everybody because it's, it's a good tagline for a Disney movie. Follow your what? Heart. Don't follow your heart. Because the Bible says the heart is wickedly deceitful. And if you really think about it, think about some of the, just everybody quiet for just one second. I want you to think about some of the things you thought privately to yourself about other people that were mean and nasty or perverted. I'll wait just a second. Some things your spouse did to you and things came out. That was produced in your heart. But I'm a good person. But that came out. Only what's in you is going to come out of you. So we see left to ourselves without Jesus. Now we're starting to see a theme in the Bible. We need a savior because we're, we're messed up. We're wicked and we're evil. Left to our own devices without God. We're not good. We're bad. This isn't going to get shared on Facebook. As a matter of fact, if you're hearing this, I challenge you to share it right now. Why? Because the people don't want the truth to get out. The reason people don't want to be saved is because they think they're a good person. But you don't get to heaven by being a good person. The Bible is about to say Noah is righteous. And we know Noah got a problem with alcohol because in a few chapters we're going to find him naked and sloppy drunk. But the Bible says he was righteous. Wait a minute. He's righteous, but now he's drunk and naked. Wait a minute. Which one is it that sometimes what we think is right with God 
God has to work with imperfect individuals. Everybody God used was not what? Perfect. Everybody that God used was flawed because we're in sinful what? Flesh. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. He says, I have a problem. The things I want to do, I don't find myself doing. But the things that I want to not do, somehow I find myself doing. That's the sinful nature. That's what happens when man leaves God. And no one is exempt. The Bible says there is not, right, not one righteous. And then just in case you said everybody except me, he said, no, not one. <laughs> That's what the scripture says. I, when I look at that, I always chuckle. He, the, it's like the writers anticipating that we always think the rules are for these, but not for me. Everybody else bad, but I'm the victim. So he repeats himself right before you can say there's not one righteous. No, not one. Because I know what you're going to ask. Not even you. The only reason we're righteous is through faith, by grace through faith, through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of Jesus because left to ourselves, we see our hearts are what? Evil. Wow. Wow. Might not fill a stadium, but it'll fill heaven, won't it? Let's keep reading. This is exciting. Verse 4. The Nephilim were in those days... And also afterwards, and the sons of God went into the daughters of human and had children by them. They were heroes of old and men of great renown. We even see Nephilim after the flood, or at least what the Israelites uh, attributed to Nephilim, because they were big, big humans. And so they'd seen Nephilim before, uh, like Goliath. Goliath had three other brothers. You might not know that, but there were giants were there. Uh, and so we see verse 5. This is where we get, in case you say, well, you've been a little hard on us, aren't you? Why don't you cut us some slack? I'm a good guy. Let's read what verse 5 said. Let's read it together. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Wow. Only evil all the time. Only selfish all the time. Only self-serving all the time. Only lustful all the time. He said, every, he didn't, he said, not even one, they couldn't even have one good thought that every intent of all their hearts, and here's something that ought to scare us dramatically. He knows everybody's heart. Ooh. You can hide from your husband, but you can't hide from God. It's very possible to sit among people and pretend that you're a Christian. Think about something. When Jesus is at, at the Last Supper, he says, one of you is going to betray me. Now, because we read in the story, we automatically assume. We know it's Judas. But everybody in the room keeps saying, is it I? They suspected themselves before they suspected Judas. Judas walked with Jesus for three years and nobody suspected that he would betray Jesus, which means he worshiped with them. He hung out with them. When Jesus sent the 70 and the other disciples, he went, he laid hands on the sick. He prayed for people. He did all sorts of stuff. And the whole time his heart was wicked. 
that's why we can see what the Bible says in the last days, Jesus will look at those and say, and they'll say, I did this. I cast out demons in your name. I did all sorts of wonders in your name. And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. It's very possible to be present in a church building and absent from God. This is the thought for us to search our what? Hearts. I love to see all you guys. I like the fact the Bible study is growing. But Bible study should grow because your heart is good. Your heart doesn't good, get good because Bible study grows. It's important that we know that we need Jesus. They didn't know who Judas was. Can you believe that? How many of us are hiding in churches and thinking we're okay because people will never suspect what's going on in our hearts? But we show up and we give and we show up every Sunday and we faithful. But we got people we don't like or we hate. Or we turn on the TV and get with our friends and start talking nasty about politicians or famous people or other people. And all that hatred and anger is in our heart. Demonizing politicians that we've never seen. Political season, you see a lot of them. They in church raising their hands on Sunday. And they cursing the president and all the or what is it, would it be he Democrat or Republican and cursing Congress and cursing all these people and talking nasty and down to people. Your heart is wicked. And then they get mad when people say, I don't want to follow Christianity because I follow you on Facebook. And if that's the Jesus you following, I don't want anything to do with it. But it's not Jesus. That's the problem. Every inclination of his heart was wicked. Some of the time? Every now and then? Dear Jesus. Let me get off of this. Or somebody hop off the feed and stop watching. <laughs> Let's go to verse 6. It says, the Lord what? Regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now here's the thing. When he says he regrets, you have to go back and look at that word. Basically, if you look at the word, it basically means that his heart was torn into pieces. It wasn't that he didn't know they would get that way. But it, it still made him sad. Ask yourself a question. Does my thought life make God sad? Does my devotional life make God sad? I'm not trying to convict you or, or condemn you, but I'm trying to give you a deeper look into ourselves. That Christian growth really comes when we take a good hard look at our what? Self. But Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of the Lord, not because he was perfect, but because God chose to find favor and grace with him. Because out of all these people, let's read verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his what? Family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithful with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. There's an entire world there, and God can only find one person that's righteous. 
Does that sound familiar? Lord, will you save the city if there be ten righteous? Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. And Abraham pleaded because his nephew was there. What if, what if there be a five or even two? God said, if I find them, I'll I spare the city. He knew he wasn't going to find them. Sodom and Gomorrah was a very wicked city in which God destroyed. We'll get to that probably later uh, down, down the road. But here's the thought. People often gloss over uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and they say that was the Old Testament angry God. But Jesus said, I and the Father are one. So when God rained down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah, who was there with him? John says he was there with God in the what? Beginning. So everything God disapproves of, Jesus disapproves of. If it wasn't okay with God, it wasn't okay with what? Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? That Jesus was with God in the beginning. So if God condemned it then, he still condemned it. Whatever behavior it may be. But thanks be unto God that he's given his son that we have a way to fall on him as wicked as our hearts are. Why do you keep driving that our hearts are wicked? Because when we realize that it drives us to the cross. By loving kindness have I drawn you. But that don't sound very kind. Yes, it does. If you were in a burning house, it wouldn't be very kind for me to walk by and not open the door. It would be nice if I let you know that your house was on fire. That's what love would be, and that's what the Christian does, not in an arrogant, not in a mean, not in a Westboro Baptist church way. <laughs> that's not the way to do it, but in, in a nice way to say, uh, or as nice as you can be, because the gospel is going to be offensive to somebody. Hey, your house is on fire. None of us are good, and I depend on Jesus for my salvation, not because I'm better than you. I depend on him because I realize all my righteousness is what? filthy rag. So I depend on Jesus for my salvation. And if you do it, he'll, the Lord is good and he's mighty to what? Save. He'll save you what? Too. That's, the gospel is great news because we look at this, we don't deserve what he gave us, do we? But, oh, he loves us so. That makes it so much sweeter when we realize we really don't deserve it. But he loves us that much. That's amazing. Let's keep going. Verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. Sounds like, like some places I know. Anybody know some places like that that's corrupt and full of violence? In the cities you know, I won't call any names. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure there are quite a few across the country that have some corruption and they're full of violence. Why? Because people tend to leave God and when you do, Violence ensues and corruptness ensues. And then it says, God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said, I am going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy the earth. So he gives Noah uh, instructions on how to make the ark. Now, the ark is about a football field and a half long. Uh, how would you put that? Take the parking lot out there, cut it in half. Add that half to the parking lot, and that's how long it is. The parking lot's a little bit over a football field's length long, going that way. It's wider, but it's long. And, and so when you look at that, the ark was a big building. As a matter of fact, 
people believe and, and historians believe that an ark of that size could have carried about 45,000 animals full of pitch. And, and as a matter of fact, the very dimensions that Noah used for the ark are still used for shipbuilding today. That ships are about, I believe, six times longer than they are wide or something of that. I forget that, but those same dimensions are used in modern day shipbuilding. So he tells Noah how to build this ark and tells, gives him instructions. And I just want you to get to verse 22. Um, he tells you, I want you to store uh, every kind of food so there'll be food for you and the animals. But let's let's look at verse 22. Let's let's see what Noah did. Verse 22. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. If you want to be saved, do everything just as God commanded you. I saw something in, in uh, verse 1, and I want you to look at this. We're going to read this three times, and I want somebody to tell me what they see. Chapter 7, verse 1. We got through several chapters today. If this is helping you, somebody right in the chat is helping you. That's, all right. There's a bunch of people in here saying it's helping them. They ain't in the chat, but I'll take it. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's look at this. We're going to read this verse three times, and I want you to see what jumps out at you. Verse one says what? Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Now, think about that for a second. Let's read it again. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Let's read it one more time. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Anybody figured out what's going on here? God spared the family because of Noah. Men, he does. That's men. I'm speaking to men watching the men in this room. You are responsible for your family. Salvation came to Noah's family because Noah was righteous. How many men, your families are being destroyed because you won't stand up and be a real man. A real man that studies his Bible has devotional. Notice I didn't say a perfect man because we're going to see Noah get drunk and be sloppy drunk but naked in a few chapters. That's not encouragement for men, righteous men to do that. I'm just making the case that Noah's not perfect. But he trusts God. God is not looking for men who don't make mistakes. God is looking for men who will obey and be faithful to God. You may have some rough edges. You may not look very churchy, but I'm not looking for churchy men in this day and age. I'm looking for real men. I don't want a man that loves God, but won't work and feed his family. I'll take a roughneck that will at least show up to work on time and feed his family. He might be rough around the edges and have a few bad words here and there. God can clean those things up. But a man that respects and loves his family, and when he realizes that his family needs Jesus, he loves them enough to not send them to church. He brings them to church. Noah's family was spared not because they were righteous. It was because he was righteous. 
that's a call out to every man that we are, what's that R word? Responsible. And we have to give an account for everything God gave us to steward. And if he gave us a family to steward and we sit back like Adam and let our wife run the house and let the kids, uh, oh, it's okay, let them play, but don't, they ain't got to worry about studying their Bible. They ain't got to, if we let our wives run the house, and we know we're supposed to stand up, not and not saying this is assuming that you don't have a godly woman at home. And I'm the people in this room. I would hope you would, because they've been in church quite a while. If if not, we can talk later after service. But at the end of the day, <laughs> for those men who will not stand up and be men, it's time. Stop blaming everything on the culture. Stop blaming everything on the government. It's time for men to show up. I'm looking for more men in this church than I am women. Because if the men come, they'll show up. You won't have to worry about stuff getting done when real men show up. You won't have to beg for stuff when real men show up. And we have that here, but I'm looking for a plethora of real men all around the Detroit area. Madison Heights, Troy, all these places that will stand up and be what? Men that know the word as well as I know it. And if you don't know the word, well, show up to Bible study. Let me teach it to you and then go home and teach it to your family because your whole family can be spared because of you. If you don't believe me, the Bible says if a wife has an unbelieving spouse, that if she is gentle and she does what God wants her to do, that that spouse may be won over by her gentleness. It's possible to win over a spouse when they look and guys, they watching us. They know we're not perfect. They know we're going to make mistakes. They know we're going to do stuff we don't do. But what they're also watching is how we respond when we make those mistakes. Do we get up, accept accountability, and move forward? Or do we keep having a victim mentality and making excuses for why we can't do it? One of the qualifications for an elder in the church or a deacon in the church, he must rule his house what? Well. It's hard for you to tell somebody else to love Jesus and your family don't come to church. It's hard to tell you to tell somebody else to love Jesus and your family is far from it. Now, when they become adults, that's a different thing. But what do we do while we have them under our purview? I'm being a little hard on the men because men need us that need some hardness sometimes. No, we need we can take it. We got broad shoulders that somebody's listening and saying, I need to man up. I need to build up, I need to step up, and I need to lift up. That's a challenge. I can't, I don't know why, but I can't get past verse 1. Let's read it again. Then the Lord, let pull up verse 1, guys. I, I want to read that again. If we don't get any further past, I want us to get this in our spirit. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Are we going to stand up in this generation, guys? In a generation that seems to be getting wickeder and wickeder? Are we going to stand up and be the beacon of light? Our families depend on us. Our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren depend on what we're going to do. Well, I'm not perfect. Nobody asked you to be perfect. Noah wasn't perfect, but Noah had faith. He was faithful. He followed God. He obeyed God, even as an imperfect man. That whitewashed picture of a guy 
like Ned Flanders that never does or says anything wrong. That don't really exist. Everybody, just about everybody God used was blue collar and rough around the ears. Look at Peter. Peter cussing and cutting people's ears off. And the only reason Peter cut a man's ear off, if you swing it in my head, I'm not going to stand there and let you do it. So we can deduce from human motion and basic forensic that the only reason Peter cut his ear off was because he missed his head. <laughs> he swung and the man ducked and Malchus lost his ear. God has some rough people around him sometimes. But they followed him and they were faithful. I want to give this message to every man in this room, every man that's listening. Stop not coming to church because you feel like you got issues and you're not perfect. Come to church as you are. Let God deal with you as you are. In this place, we honor men. In this place, we respect men. I got some men that I know around this area that won't step foot in the church, but I respect them and I like them and hope I pray for them that they'll show up in this church. Perfect or not. Because I know one thing, if I get them, I got their family. Because their families follow them. Let's keep going. I got two minutes. But we're about finished. Let's go to verse 5. Let's see why God likes Noah. God gives him all these commandments. And what does it say again? Verse 5. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. He was obedient to God. The Bible says that Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came to the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters from the flood. All the, all the horrible things that are going on in the world. You can keep men, your children, from, from facing the wrath of God. Because that's, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing salvation. The wrath of God is about to be poured out on the earth. And because Noah was obedient, the wrath of God will pass over his house. One day, the wrath of God, once again, will be poured out on this earth. Not with water, but with fire. And for the men that will stand up and love their families and be godly men and get their children and families saved, just like Noah, the wrath of God will once again pass over their house. That's why the enemy tries to downplay men and make men not come to church because he realizes how powerful you are. That's why he didn't come to Adam. Not to Eve. He wasn't brave enough to come to Adam. He went to Eve. And had Adam stood up, we wouldn't be in this mess. Lord, thank you. The Bible says the first Adam got it wrong. But the second Adam got it right. But Jesus came to redeem us. Oh, that's a wonderful story. We're going to finish this up. Will y'all give me a few more minutes to finish this up? He did as the Lord, the Bible says he did as the Lord commanded. And on the 17th day of the, seven, of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of the heavens were open. We know there's enough water to cover the earth. How do we know that? Because in the beginning, all the water was covering the what? Earth. 
So God allowed for waters to recede. So some people believe this was a global flood or a local flood. But we do know this. Everybody on the earth was destroyed. We see that. Verse 4 uh, right there. Uh, I'm a little bit further down. And it says that when they got in there, uh, we looked at all the different pairs and the creatures. And the Lord opens up the bowels of the earth. Wow. He opens up the floodgates and rain. Let's read that verse 12, 7 and 12. And rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now, it rained. Now, we, we can't even take a day or full day of snow here in Michigan. Can you imagine nonstop rain for 40 days and 40 nights? And most of us think that, that the, the, the flood was over after 40 days and 40 nights. No, it was not. The flood lasted for months. The rain lasted 40 days and 40 nights. Noah and his sons are in the ark. And here's the thing I want you to see, verse 16. The animals going in were male and female, every living thing, as God has commanded him. Then the Lord shut him in. We see the protection of God. God's protecting them because he trusts them. No, I know you're not perfect. You know how I know you're not perfect, Noah? Why, Lord? Because I can see everybody's heart. And I said the inclination of all, every man's heart was wicked. No, everybody's heart is wicked, Noah. But you'll do what I ask you to do. Why was David a man after God's own heart after all the foul stuff he did? Because he trusted God. And he repented when he was wrong. Let's take a look. That this flood lasts for 40 days and 40 nights. There were more than two by two. We do see if you study the text that some of the animals went up two by two. But in some pairs, he had seven animals come and those were the clean animals. The reason was they used those clean animals for animal sacrifice uh, and things like that. So he'll say, you'll see he says take seven of every clean type and things like that. Go, I'm challenging you to go back and read because I want to I want to finish my last part to this time. Verse 17, for 40 days, the flood kept coming. On the earth, and as the waters increase, they lift the ark high above the earth. Let's read together verse 18 if they got it. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. Every mountain was covered underwater. And the flood was so catastrophic that even in non Christian sects, they, they make up folklore. Like Gilgamesh and things, every no matter what religion you go to or, or any place, you will see that they have a story of a great flood. This flood happened. It, it, it happened. And, and so verse 18, the waters rose and increased greatly on the earth and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains of the deep more than 15 cubits. A cubit is about. Uh, an arm's length long, maybe three feet. So 15 cubits will probably be about, I believe, about 45 feet. So that means you could take the highest mountain on earth and, and the waters were about 50 feet higher. Wow. If my math is correct, every living thing that moved on land perished. Wow. Everything on dry land, verse 22, that had the breath in its nostrils died. God has killed everything. He's destroyed it. 
and uh, I'm going to go to verse 23. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah and his family were le was left. And this was and those with him in the ark. Be careful who you hang out with. You keep good friends. It just may save your life. Be careful who your children marry. They were those people who were married to Noah's sons. They they got spared because they married into a godly family. And Noah was left. Verse twenty four. The waters flooded on the earth. Now we see how long this happened. For what? A hundred and fifty days. Almost half a year. The earth stayed flooded. This wasn't a 40 day and we're not done thing. It took a hundred and fifty days for the flood waters to recede. And we're going to go back into verse 8. We'll get, we'll get right there in verse 8. We'll go into verse 8 and 9 because I've, I've taken some time and I, w I want you to start thinking about some of the things and read chapter 8 and chapter 9. We've got a good ways. We've gone through three chapters tonight. But isn't this exciting? This is insightful because all through this, we see Jesus. We see the story of man leaving God and God's redemptive power. And Noah's salvation is a type and shadow of the salvation that God offers us. That one day God is going to cleanse the earth again. And when he does it, those who are under the, the godly ark of safety, the blood on the door, so to speak, the blood of the cross, the wrath of God is not going to stop, but it's going to pass over you. Somebody listening to me right now, you need to know that God doesn't want to pour out wrath on anybody. The Bible says that it's the will of God that no man should perish. We don't have a God like Zeus waiting to throw his thunderbolt and hurl it at people or other gods where you can never be right. We have a God that is loving and compassionate. And the only reason his wrath comes is because he's right and just and a right and just God must judge sin. But a loving father will pay the price. He sent his own son to pay the price for us. He paid a debt we couldn't afford to pay. That's why salvation in the cross is so beautiful. Somebody's still thinking. I was talking to a friend the other night, and I said, that water thing messed you up, didn't it? He said, yeah, it did, because I'm thinking about some of the stuff I've been thinking about people. And I said, man, that's, that's been in my heart. He got quiet because I've been quiet. Because if we're honest, think about some of the stuff that comes out of our mouth. And that's why Jesus says even the idle words we speak will give an account of on the day of judgment. Because if it came out of our mouth, it came from our what? That's why David said it. He didn't ask God to search him because he wanted God to do an illegal search and seizure and needed a search warrant. He said, search me and know me. See my hidden thoughts. Why do I want you to see them? Because they're not hidden from you. Because I want to know what they are. See if there's something wicked in me and show me a better path. He loves you guys. He wants to show you a better path. He doesn't want to destroy you. We'll see in the next lesson that, as a matter of fact, he so not wants to destroy you that his mercy is so long-suffering that he makes a covenant with himself, the first covenant um, that's called a Noahic covenant. In uh, Genesis 8, I believe, somewhere around there, Genesis 8, 
uh, Genesis 9, he says that he'll never again flood the earth and destroy mankind that way. He loves you. I don't know who's watching me, but you need to know he loves you. This isn't a story of condemnation. This is a story of grace. And grace can't abound if sin doesn't abound. The Bible says, where grace, sin abounds, grace all the more abounds. We don't continue in sin that, that grace would abound, God forbid. But the thing is, if we know that we're sinful and we confess our sin, he is faithful and he's just to forgive and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Has this helped anybody tonight? Anybody have any questions? Any comments? We want to go see the Ark in Kentucky. <laughs> That's specifications. Ken Ham is a brilliant person. Uh, I've listened to some of his debates. I see. Hey, we can take a trip. I see two hands. I see Sister uh, Nana. I didn't want to call you Nana. I see see Nana and I see Brother Bob. Go. He said, "Go ahead. Go ahead." Yeah, well, praise God. I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that you're in my life, too. Uh, and uh, I'm thankful to God that he allows us to open up the word. The word is so exciting. The Bible is the most exciting book in the world. Hmm. Well, we're going to hear at least 50 chapters of it. <laughs> Lord, Lord willing. Very good. Brother Bob, you had a, had a question or comment? Transport. Yeah, it's a float. It's a barge. That's interesting. About forty-five, uh, about forty-five thousand, and uh, mm -hmm. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. Is it chess? As a matter of fact, hmm? yeah. No rudder, no sail. Because and and that's that's important to know that there is no rudder or sail. And as a matter of fact, the ark is about. If you wanted to know how tall it is, a little bit higher than a four-story building. <laughs> uh, so if you see a four-story building, that's about how tall and how big it was. But like you said, no rudder, no sail. Well, how is it being guided by the hand of God? <laughs> is it such as the church? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's, it's the type and the shadow of the ark. Very good, brother Dave. It is a type and shadow. The church is a type or shadow of the ark, and so we refer to the church as the what? The ark of safety. A lot of times, there, I, my friend, I have a friend that pastors a church called the ark of safety, uh, and there are a lot of churches that are called the ark of safety. No ship, no sail, but the hand of God is guiding it. And we are in exciting times right now, guys. No ship, no sail. Nobody's ever. Think about this. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. And we'll go. Nobody had ever lived through a flood. Nobody had ever seen rain. It was a time that was unprecedented, that was catastrophic. Watch this. Across the world. And, and, and the only safety there was, was where? In the ark. Everybody outside of the ark. The catastrophe got them. Now, fast forward 6,000 plus years. We are now in a place that nobody has ever what? Seen before with the coronavirus that nobody has seen before. The world's in a catastrophe. And what's the only safe place? In the ark. In the ark of safety. In the arms of Jesus. In the hands of God. Oh, thank you. It's such a rich thing when you guys give your comments. I, when you said that, that came to, my, to mind. Thank you, Brother Dave and Brother Bob and, and, and Sister Virginia for that encouragement and for all those people. I'm waiting for Sister Wolf. Sister Wolf got a, she be sitting on a bunch of information over there. She, she holding back on us. <laughs> but I'm so grateful to God for you, and I encourage you to help this class grow, grow every week. It's been growing since the beginning of the year. And I want it to continue to grow. It's growing online. And we like, if you're watching online, uh, I know sometimes people like to watch in anonymity, but we'd love for you to drop a line and let us know that you're watching and drop any questions that you may have. They may come up in Bible study. If you don't want us to know that people to know that you asked it, I'll ask it anonymously. But thank you for being in our fellowship today. Are there any comments left? Or if not, we're going to pray and we're going to be done. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's impossible to see. If you want an architect to do something, get the great architect to give you the design. He was given the instructions. So that's, that's wonderful. For those of you who are watching tonight, if you're still alone, if they're still streaming, or if you're listening to podcasts later, guys, you may not know this, but we're on Apple, we're on iTunes, we're on the website, we're on um Mr. Bill Joseph has made an online platform for his radio station where there we're a lot of different places. We're on Roku TV. If whatever thing you're watching by by YouTube or Facebook or TikTok, we welcome you to our church family and we want you to continue along this journey with us. And if you don't know Jesus, I'd like you to come in the ark of safety today. Today's your day. God, God wants you. 
He, he loves you. Will you trust him today? If he'll give you a heart today, um, I believe that he'll save you. I know that he'll save you. There's, a only, there's an old song that says he'll save you just now. Only trust him. Just now.